and welcome to a special edition of the Capital Weekly Podcast in which Tim Foster and I, John Howard, gossip about anything we feel like talking about. And we're going to talk about Proposition 30 today. We're going to talk about Gavin Newsom and his problems, at least in Florida, in the view of WISPA, the Western States Petroleum Association, and assorted other topics. So, Tim? Very special episode. A very special very episode. special episode. <laughs> so let's first talk about Prop 30. Um, this is on the ballot in November. It would raise taxes on those with incomes of $2 million or more a year by 1.75%. It would raise about, according to the ledge analyst, it would raise about 4 about four to $4.5 billion a year. Holy smokes, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of, even for California, that's not chump change. And that would go towards, um, 45% of that money would go towards uh, encouraging and uh, putting together incentives for electric vehicles. About 35% of that money would go towards building charging stations. And the rest, about 20%, goes towards um, wildfire prevention and suppression. Raking the forests? Yes, raking the forests. Good rakes. You can yeah. allow hundreds of millions of dollars of good rakes. So that's the initiative. What's interesting about it, though, is the way that it is opposed and supported. Well, you know, before we even get there, what I thought was really interesting, is I like to think that I pay fairly close attention to the initiatives that are coming through. For me, this was kind of a sleeper. Uh-huh. I didn't know anything about this one, that it was even uh, possible that it was going to get qualified until about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting strategy. Usually you see tons of press release, some promotions about an initiative that is about to qualify, et cetera. I really haven't seen that for this, and I, I'm sure that was a strategy for the people behind this. Uh, it may have been. You know, what, when something is has qualified, has officially qualified, of course there's a statement that's released by the Secretary of State's office. Before that point, while well, they're still trying to decide if, they have, if they've gathered, gathered enough signatures, there's uh, a statement of eligibility, that it's eligible to be on the ballot. And people have jumped on that and say, well, that means it's going to be on the ballot. There's always this time lag where people say, hey, it's qualified, and you go to the official website and you don't see it. I think that you know, might have been part of that. Another thing is there's so much going on right now um, you know, with the pandemic, with the budget, politically. This is an election year. There's a lot going on right now. So sometimes this stuff gets lost in the shuffle. It's no longer lost in the shuffle, though. Because this November ballot is shaping up as a hell of a ballot, and this is one of the reasons why. So you were saying the interesting thing are the, the bedfellows in this in this fight. Yeah. Uh, of course, the environmentalists, as I understand it from uh, Ballotpedia, uh, uh, Bill McGavern, well-known coalition, coalition for clean air. Uh, he's been around the Capitol for many, many years lobbying heavily for environmental issues, very much into electric vehicles. He's in favor, of course, one of the big supporters and one of the authors of this initiative. Financially, the big supporter, which is interesting, is Lyft. The pro um, Prop 30 people have raised about $8.4 million, and $8 million came from Lyft. And you think, what's the ride-hailing company doing supporting this environmental initiative? Well, that actually makes a lot of sense because I think California law has it that 90% of Lyft trips have to be made uh, in electric vehicles by a certain date. And forgive me if I don't remember, I think it might be 2030, but it's coming up. And so they're, so they're, they're out of business if they don't if have a bunch of electric cars. So they're looking like really good citizens by supporting this. And they've hooked up with the Enviros 
um, to put it over. Also, as I understand it from Lyft, uh, one of their big business plans overall is to electrify their workforce, to have electric cars. They want to be on the right side of this issue. So they put a lot of money into this. So, uh, Well, great. let's say they put a lot. They put $8 million. Now, let's say that that's chump change compared to what the yeah. ride-sharing companies put into Prop 22. Yeah, good by Like, point. what, $220 million yeah. or somewhere or thereabouts? That's right. So $8 million is something they found in the couch cushions in the, in the office. That's so. exactly right. Uh, Prop 22 is a total of $224 million. But two hundred million and some change was theirs. Yeah. Was the right hailing companies, and they hooked up obviously with Uber and DoorDash and Grubhub, et cetera, et cetera. So, so on the other side, on the nose, you have uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. Remember, Governor Newsom wants electrified vehicles in California. He wants them phased in rather quickly, and he's issued an executive order to do that. Right. I think uh, Leanne Randolph, the new CARB chair is charged with getting new car sales gone by 2035, which is right around the corner. This is right around the corner, that's right. And you would think that this would play right into his plans, but he doesn't see it that way. Yeah. So what's going on there? The other big, uh, another big opponent, of course, in California, this is one of the uh, gorillas in the closet, is the California Teachers Association. Very well uh, positioned political player, a lot of dough a donor of about a million bucks to Gavin Newsom and his campaigns, They're, they and Newsom are against this initiative. And you got to wonder, the CTA I get, the CTA wants, they'd be happy to raise money. They want it for classrooms and education. Yeah, and I think traditionally there have been a number of, of initiatives that are very similar to this, except it goes to fund, right. funding pre-K and, and classroom yeah. education and stuff. That's exactly right. And This they, is uh, our bailiwick, they're saying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what are you doing on our turf? And... Um, and uh, CTA has gone for years supporting this, and their teachers like it, and Democrats in the legislature typically like this. They've been vetted, and uh, often, you know, their candidacies have been approved by the CTA, which has a big sway over Democratic candidate. So this is like a basic position. Now, Newsom being opposed, I'm not so sure, other than that, he traditionally has been a CTA ally. So that's well, kind of a weird and, thing. You know? And I also just wonder if he doesn't want a tax hike, even though it's only going to affect, yeah. what, nine people in California. I mean, yeah. actually, I'm exaggerating. A lot but, more than that, unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, it's going to – does he want a tax hike on this ballot? Apparently not. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much that's playing into it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think uh, traditionally going for a tax hike when you're up for re-election is not the best idea. Uh, not that he's – let's be really clear – not that he's particularly worried because he's spending okay. his money right now running ads in Florida. Yeah, that's right. That's ex- we'll get to that later. That's true. Um, but it usually doesn't go together. Looking for a tax increase on the same ballot that you're running for re-election, even though it looks all the numbers show, as I understand it, uh, he isn't going to have much of a problem. But still, you got to you know you still have to raise that point. You know. Um, but I think you're right about this whole strange bedfellows thing because you have. When was the last time? I cannot remember the last time that the professional firefighters and the CTA were on opposite sides of a major issue. We're not on the opposite side? They, they were on, their, oh, they oh. are, in this case, you know, the firefighters yeah. would sure like to see some fire, yeah. fire suppression efforts. And sure. then the CTA obviously does not have, have yeah. already stated their opposition here. Yeah, That's right. interesting. Yeah. And you're going to have, too. you're going to have uh, Steve Maviglio on the same side as a bunch of 
you know, tree-hugging Bernie bros, <laughs> which, how often does that happen? So, Well, you know, the, the Coalition for Clean Air, uh, which favors this, is, uh, yeah, I think it's probably accurate to call them tree-huggers or clean-air breathers, you know. Uh, they've been well-known on this issue forever and ever and ever on climate change, carbon emissions. They've been before the ARB. So this, but, but having people that I think you traditionally think of as enviros, or at least partially environmental, against an issue like Newsom, against an issue that seems pretty straightforward and accords with his own desires. It's kind of, this is really strange. Well, and then the other interesting nuance here is you have the building and construction trades unions like SBC, TC, and the others. They're backing this big time because they're going to get the jobs. If if you need to build this massive infrastructure, guess who's probably going to be building it? So they're 100, they're all in. Yeah, Uh, someone's got to build those charging stations and develop the, Exactly. But what's interesting is they are also very long affiliated with a lot of the prehistoric uh, energy companies, you know, with the gas companies, sure. et cetera. And so that's an interesting shift for them. I mean, they're basically, well, I'm sure they'll build anything you want them to build is really their attitude. Yeah. But uh, they have been defensive of, you know, some of the PG&E and gas company projects that the enviros are not particularly in favor of. And the unions have backed them because it's jobs, it's union jobs. Yeah. Here's a case where the unions are actually aligning with the enviros. It's, there's all sorts of weird yeah. stuff going on here. I wonder where the electrical union, electrical workers are on this. I didn't look them up. I'm fairly certain I saw that they have backed it. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. And then you've got the, um, the polling, the PPIC polling within the last day or so that says about two-thirds, well, over 60% of people people that they surveyed support this. Overwhelmingly, I think it was 23% or something opposed, but 60, over 60%. Now, it's true that before you go into an election, especially if it involves a potential tax increase or a bond measure or something, the support may be there, and the closer you get to election day, it dissipates. But this isn't quite the classic issue there. No. Well, and the other interesting thing is there's going to be, who's going to fund the no campaign? Who are, is the CTA going to pony up millions of dollars for TV ads. Yeah. And it's going to be an expensive TV season because there's a lot of other uh, issues out there that are going to be buying up TV time. They're going to have to be competing yeah. for that. So who's going to spend millions of dollars to say, no, don't tax yeah. billionaires? You know, that's it's an expensive proposition when they can be spending their money on other things. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. We also don't know who's running these campaigns yet. Am I? Oh, funny who? Uh, who's running the campaigns? Uh, well, but possibly... Uh, on the, um, let's see, on the no side, possibly it's Courtney Pugh, is at least the campaign manager. We've, we've heard, we've been told this. Courtney, yeah. don't sue us if you're not doing it. And we never hesitate to repeat a, a rumor. So, you know, of course, the big, the high, the deep pockets opponent. Now, I think he raised a really good point. Are they going to, will, are they willing to spend the kind of money on this that one would think they'd have to spend to beat it back? Is California Chamber of Commerce. And I saw... Yeah. Um, Jennifer Brera quoted on that. She's the main quote against this thing. So the chamber has a lot of dough, but is it worth it to them to get on the wrong side of electrical vehicle development in California when the governor... Oh, I'm sure they don't mind that. It's just whether or not they feel like they can spend the money and win. Well, I wonder what their members say, yeah. too, you know. Um, yeah, that's kind of... It gets interesting. I think it's very interesting. So I don't know where this is going to go. Right now, nobody does. Um, you know, as you point out, nobody really knows who's going to be spending, if anybody is going to be spending a lot of money to block this. 
presumably somebody will. The chamber or, must or, have. You know, who's going to be spending the money? I mean, $8 million is in a California campaign is not that yeah. much money. But yeah. again, you're basically giving, this is the equivalent of free beer. Like California yeah. loves, who doesn't <laughs> love taxing billionaires? You who know what I mean? Like, free beer? You know? it's, uh, it's an easy sell. Like yeah. taxing billionaires, I think, you know, Everyone except for billionaires likes, you know, the yeah. idea of taxing billionaires. So, I mean, it's an easy sell. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and who doesn't want to fund yeah. electric cars and clean air and fighting firefighter? Yeah. I mean, fire, wildfire yeah. efforts. All those things are very popular. Uh, you know, so, it'll be fun to see who, you're right, it'll be fun to see who spends against it. The, the other big opponent is the Howard Jar- Jarvis Taxpayer Association. Right. And they're, they're cheap. And they're, <laughs> but they, you know, you can expect their opposition because they are... As a rule, oppose a tax increases anyway. It's like the California Taxpayer Association. They don't like taxes at all. It could be anything. They just don't like them. So that's right in with their wheelhouse against it, you know. Um, but how much money do they have? I don't know how much they money they have or could raise uh, for an issue that they're really into. They could probably raise a lot of dough. This one doesn't strike it. You know, and, and I suspect that their argument and the argument of other people who are against this is that at a certain point... People with money are just going to move out of state, so they don't have to pay sure. taxes. And then we've yeah. already seen that a little bit. Yeah, I know some sports figures have relocated because they don't want to stay here and pay higher taxes when they can move to Nevada and, and cut yeah. their tax burden by right. a fraction. Yeah. But I really, I really wonder. I'm sure there's numbers tracking this, but how many rich people really move out of? Now they may, they may just try to relocate their uh, mailing address and then actually continue to live in Los Angeles or wherever Marin County, uh, not pay taxes. But I really wonder how many people would see this like what is it, one one point seven five yeah percent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I guess you know when you're the one paying the taxes, it is yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. This is one of those another one of these ballot initiatives that is really uh, drawing a lot of attention, and this will draw more as we proceed towards November 8th. Yeah. So, you know, one of the other things, so we mentioned WISPA. We mentioned the trade unions, and they have uh, backed this largely. And so then, on you know, the trade unions also have been partnering with WISPA and some of the other things to support gas and oil jobs. Now, WISPA is taking really the complete opposite tack, and this week fired a shot across the Gavin Newsom for President Bow and ran an ad in Florida, uh, basically suggesting, hey, Florida, don't let Gavin Newsom Californicate the United States or you. And here we'll run the ad. Our Governor Gavin Newsom attacks Florida. But here's what he's doing to us in California. We pay $1.65 more for a gallon of gas than you do. Our electricity rates are twice as high as yours. Gavin Newsom is banning gas cars and shutting down California oil production. California can't afford Gavin Newsom's ambition. Can Florida? Yeah, you know, we, Tim, we were looking at the, we had a little trouble finding it, but we did see the ad. And uh, I think it's a pretty interesting ad. It was unexpected to me uh, to see Whisper running this ad in other states. Florida, by the way, is not in Whisper's jurisdiction. You know, which makes it interesting. But they're they're taking a shot at, at uh, Gavin Newsom. And I think they, like others, increasingly see Gavin Newsom, rightly or wrongly, as having a national profile. And this gets them into the national exposure into a, a state where, on the Republican side, it looks like DeSantis is making a strong run, presidential run for 2024. 
uh, it gets them sort of gets them some national cachet. What do you bet they do another one to Texas? Texas, heavily petroleum state. That would kind of made more sense, actually, than this one. But. Well, I think they were doing it in response to Gavin Newsom's ad that he ran yeah. in Florida, which got a lot of attention a few weeks ago, yeah. which is a pretty savvy move. If he yeah. would have run that ad here, it would have been a big storm. Who cares? Sure, but he yeah, runs it in Nevada, and he probably, I mean, excuse me, he runs it in Florida, yeah. and he gets more attention than if it would have run here. Yeah, I agree. And he also did one in Texas, though. He went after, oh, I, well, he did, I after did not see he's that. done two. And, uh, and he's got a lot of bang for his buck. Uh, amazingly, I don't know what this kind of airtime would cost him, you know, or this kind of media coverage would cost him if he actually had to go out and buy media coverage. I have no idea, but it's all, I think one of the ads... I believe they call this earned media, for those of you taking notes. So. <laughs> I think the Florida ad was 150 k and I don't recall what the Texan, probably in the same, you know, in the same general category. But it was, it was, it was very interesting and kind of ballsy on Wispa's part, I think. Oh, yeah. Governor has got their whatever legislation they may want. It ultimately, is going to wind up on his desk, and um, I, I don't think they want to look forward to having their legislation eviscerated. Well, in this you know this probably was not a great couple of weeks for Wispa, given that you have uh, this new bill which passed the Senate, uh, and I'm assuming Biden will sign and will become law, and it really, really is going to step up, or at least. The analyses I've read, mm -hmm. it will really spark electric car production and electric car, which in the long term, that's not good news for WISPA. Now, to their credit, Kathy Reyes Boyd, when we've spoken to her, she acknowledges the existence of climate change. She sure. acknowledges that, uh, that eventually we're going to have to get away from uh, reliance on fossil fuels, the fuels yeah. we have now. And I think she refers to it as an all of the above strategy to get there. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so we'll see, I mean, how much they can make that work as the share of fossil fuels declines. I mean, we're not in any risk of being uh, off gas in the next 10 years. I don't think anybody believes that. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's interesting that, that they fired this shot at Newsom's, uh, you know, issues here or, you know, Newsom's policies related to oil and gas when he's actually on their, probably on their side on this thing. I don't know where WISPA has come out on the uh, yeah. uh, the billionaire's tax, but I'm suspecting they probably don't want it. Where are you, do you think, in the, uh, you know, this idea about buying electric cars or not? I mean, for average folk like us, I look at them, uh, and I think, God, these things are really expensive. I've got a few friends that have bought Teslas, and... Um, and I've looked at the sticker price. I don't know how many used Teslas are out there. There may be a lot of them. I don't know. But, man, they're really expensive. So any incentives, do you get federal legislation or state legislation um, that makes it easier to buy one of these things? It seems like that's a great way to go forward if electric cars are the future. Well, seem to be, you know? I'm in a weird place because, I mean, any, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that I talk about cars occasionally because I'm a car guy. I mean... I think I own five cars right now. I don't even know. That's how much of a car guy. I don't know how many cars I have. And then I also own enough parts that I could build extra cars completely out of parts that are in my garage right now. So, uh, but what kind of cars are they? These are, are largely Crossley cars. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, they are you know, a very weird little car manufactured in the United States from 1939 to 52. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've also had Plymouth Valiants and uh, Savoys and... Plymouth Savoys. Yeah. Galaxies and... Uh, you know, um, so, I mean, I'm a car guy. I love cars. I'll be probably going to Monterey Car Week at some point. I, I go to 
you know, the races, the whole deal. I love that whole thing, and I'm fascinated by the internal combustion engine history of it. Uh, you know, I've spent way too much time at the Auto Museum here in Sacramento. So, well, yeah, that's good. Yeah. you know, I love all that stuff, and I'm really interested. But I also recognize that, that we are in a situation with climate change that we've got to do something. And I also recognize that eventually we're going to run out of oil. Even best-case scenario, uh, we suddenly solve climate change with something that we sprinkle, sprinkle in gas. We're still going to run out of gas, so we got to come up with something. And electric cars seem like the way that we'll probably yeah. go. And and I will probably purchase an electric car. My wife and I will probably purchase an electric car sometime in the next year. We actually looked at it fairly recently, and unfortunately, uh, with supply chain issues right now, you, it's hard to even get any new car. Really? And I, by the, full disclosure, I've never bought a new car. Right now, my daily driver is a twenty. Three-year-old Toyota. Toyota. Yes, Toyota. Okay. Best, by the way, best car I've ever owned. Yeah, Nineteen ninety-nine yeah. Toyota Tacoma. And uh, how many other cars can you see? You've got a twenty-year-old anything, but a Toyota hangs in there. It just well, goes forever. You know? And I've done. I'm, sorry, it's Toyota. Like I'm, I'm promoting your twenty-three-year-old car. I've done nothing. I've basically like done the minor maintenance. I've had to do. It's got the same engine, the same transmission, everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this car has been. Broken into, it's been shot. It's been shot with a gun. That's right. Uh, oh, you know, I mean, it's like, it just goes and goes. But this thing, you know, but yeah. we have this 23-year-old car. And it's like, so I'm not someone who just willy-nilly jumps out of never owned a new car. But the reality is, I would like to get something that's not going to contribute to pollution. And yeah. also, you know, I mean, I'm also cheap. So I would love to start getting my my transportation costs cut that much. And I, I think we figured out that it would be the equivalent of about, like, I don't know, a dollar a gallon or something like that compared to what I drive now uh, for the electrical. I mean, the cost for charging and all Yeah, that. I mean, because it does, you know, it cost a little bit, but it, yeah, it's it's much. a fractional. And really, with, the, I think, the one we were looking at at like 170 mile range or something like that. So, I mean, like, I don't ever, I mean, I do drive, but I'll just drive my regular car if I need to go yeah, on a long yeah, trip. But, yeah. if you know, driving around town or driving down to Davis for dinner or whatever, you know, 170 mile round trip. Seems I'm like not a pretty good thing. You know. So, but I don't know. I mean, I also don't live in Fresno, where charging stations may be a little harder to find, and where I may be taking longer trips. So I don't know how that's going to work outside of the major metropolitan areas. But at least here, you know, I thought it was interesting on the charging. I always look at the range, but uh, a couple of people I know that have these cars say that in, in this first person's case, it's a Tesla. <clears throat> he says. They go to Oregon all the time. Lives in Sacramento, goes to Oregon, Newport, uh, Oregon up there. So that's, you're looking at 350, 400 miles from here. Yeah? But what they do is they drive and they'll stop in Redding, which is 160 miles up the road, maybe going to get something to eat or stop and have coffee. And because their car range is around 280. Wow, that's pretty they good. They can stop. It's pretty good. And they can stop for really 20, 30 minutes. And by doing a top-off charge... They bring it back up to full in like 20 minutes. It's not like this is an overnight thing to bring it up to the full range, which hadn't occurred to me. And yet, it's an e it's easy enough to do. From there, they go up to Oregon, do the same thing. They'll stop somewhere maybe 20 minutes and charge it up. He's, they've gotten so used to it that it's not really that big a deal to use a car like that and go on a long trip. Now, doing it all at once in a range, you know, I mean, if you wanted to go 250 miles and you've got a 280 mile range. That's kind of pretty close. Yeah. You know? uh, but it's still, it's doable. It, you don't need to stop at a gas. I mean, you don't have to gas up and have this thought that you have 400 miles of range in your car. Or you know, miles. and it is funny. You know, I, I, I always like to 
look back at these things that must have been big changes when they were new. And, and I know that in the early days of the automobile, there was no gas. Like you couldn't get gasoline and there were no gas stations. And that was a huge thing. And, and early adopters of the automobile had to deal with the fact there were no paved roads really, or very few. There was almost no gas stations. There was very difficult to even get tires, rubber tires. Uh, and by comparison, people around like, well, I, I can ride my horse and wagon anywhere and I can feed my horse. I can get a horse feed anywhere. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure that there was a transition period where all of a sudden it became more manageable to have an automobile and they became more reliable and you could get the fuel and you could get the oil and you could find a mechanic if it broke, which, you know, back then they always broke. And I think that we're at that point in electric cars where pretty soon we'll be at a point where you know where the charging stations, you'll see them all. And it won't be this weird, bizarre thing. I mean, already if you live in Sacramento, you see 20 Teslas a day. Yeah. And they're all breaking all the speed laws and driving like jerks. Um, <laughs> I know. But uh, the Chevy Volt, not so much. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, I think we're, we're there in that transition. And this thing with this Prop 30, if it happens, by the way, uh, would exacerbate that. And, and then certainly Governor Newsom's policies, if they are held on to by the next governor, and, and really we are going to be getting off selling new cars by 2035, which, to put this perspective, is 13 years from now. Yeah. That's the equivalent of getting off like 2000 and, I mean, that's 2009. From 2009 to now is 13 years. So imagine a change so large that in California you're no longer yeah. selling brand new gasoline-powered cars in 13 years yeah, that's just life-changing game-changing that's yeah amazing. you know it's funny you and i were just watching these videos of uh cities in the oh, early yeah, part yeah. of the 20th yeah, century yeah. you know these restored videos where they are driving around london or they're yeah, amazing you know, just going amazing. through uh san francisco and you see a different world i mean there yeah. were almost no cars i mean if there was a oh, car really? it was so weird yeah. to see and it wasn't anything you would recognize as a car it just like totally was a horseless yeah. carriage and, you know, I mean, the difference between those cities in 1904 uh, and those same cities in 1930 or 24, night and day. I mean, there were cars everywhere. Yeah, there were a million Model Ts. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to see, we don't hear much talk about it, but it seems so interesting when it was really popular, at least to talk about it, with hydrogen fuel cells. Yeah. And... I can't help it. I hear the word hydrogen and I think of Hindenburg and I see this giant, you know, dirigible, you know, oh, the humanity. I mean, but if the technology is there and if the only exhaust coming out of your pipe is water, then it just seems like a great way to go. Now, when we first started talking about this a few years ago, I think there were two fuel stations. There's one in L.A. I know. I can imagine what the line was to get to one of these in Los Angeles. There must be some more than that now, but. What a great thing. And maybe that's an alternative, too, that people are going to be doing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and, you know, then, then the unspoken thing with electricity is, uh, you know, nuclear was a big deal at one point. Yeah. And if you go to Europe, travel Europe, you, you're basically never out of sight of a nuclear power yeah, station. They're everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting. But there's also, you know, if we ever get there, there's, uh, I think they call it cold fusion, uh, which is something that's always sort of the holy grail of electrical power generation where you have something... Cool. That, I thought that was a beer too. Huh? Yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> it's um, type, okay. You drink enough, you'll get it. But uh, with cold fusion, there will be, as I understand it, from reading my marginal amount of Sweden to tap 
uh, Christy Bauma can explain the science behind this. Um, but, uh, you know, as I understand, there's either very little or no uh, spent fuel. So you're not dealing with all this horrible pollution that's being created. Uh-huh. And I know that it always seems like it's right around the corner and you talk to scientists and they think they're going to have that figured out at some point. And if they figured out how to just generate energy out of nothing and not create pollution while they're doing it, well, then all of a sudden everything changes. Uh, but I, you know, I, I've been hearing about this now for, I think, 20 years, and I sure doesn't seem like it's any closer. Although maybe this will be like Prop 30, where it's like all of a sudden it'll just spring out, and I'm like, oh, I haven't heard anything about it, and it'll be there. So, Well, Tim Foster, thank you very oh, much. But before we go, we should figure out who had the worst week in California politics. Uh, who did we say? <laughs> The worst week. Worst week. Worst week. <laughs> I think we decided because it's been a slow week, you know, yeah. the, the legislature's closed. Uh, I mean, it's not closed. It's, you know, they're, it's not, they're not in session right now. Right. We decided we're going to give it to Gavin Newsom. Okay. I mean, Gavin Newsom is going to now have to deal with Prop 30, which he doesn't want to deal with. I don't want to And he's got WISPA spanking him in Florida. So, yeah. you know, and one thing I actually think Newsom... This is all things considered, this is not that bad of a week for him. But I think it's interesting that he has not been getting more flack from not endorsing in the LA mayor's race. I mean, I saw Hillary Clinton just endorsed oh. uh, Karen Bass. And, Hillary Clinton did? Yeah. And you would think, given the close connections of the legislature and everything, although, to be fair, it's not like Newsom was governor when Bass was here, uh, that he has not endorsed her. And in fact, there's Rick Caruso, the, the I think, billionaire who would yeah. be affected by the Prop 30 tax. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's running and he was, you know, formerly a Republican and then not a Republican and then now is a Democrat. Uh, this seems like it would be an easy call for Newsom to make, but he has not made it for whatever reason. Now, interestingly enough, uh, his friends who handle his campaign... Uh, which are called Bear Star Strategies now, formerly SRCRB, formerly something else, but A. Smith and his... Yeah, SCN. Yeah, exactly. So they're working for Caruso. So is that playing, you know, is Newsom doing them a favor and not endorsing? Does he not know who's going to win? I I think this is weird that he's not gotten more flack for this, personally. Because they've been doing work for him, too. And A. Smith, I think, has been one of Newsom's advisors and still is. Yeah, oh, yeah. And may have had a role in that... I say may have had a role in the first ad that he put out when he went after Florida. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. There's kind of a mixed up brew there. I I don't know about um, why he would or wouldn't endorse Karen Bass. You would think he would. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he may, but and maybe you know maybe there's like, maybe he's holding off because he wants to endorse what it's going to make the most splash. Yeah, get the most. Maybe splash, the, get you the know most, yeah. they do that. I remember years ago you and I were. Talking about uh, Newsom for for governor is back when he was running, going to run against yeah. Gap, uh, when Jerry Brown was the front runner, it was his second time around, and uh, and I saw, oh look, Bill Clinton is endorsed <laughs> Newsom. This is a big deal, and you just kind of looked up over your desk at me and said, oh, I guess was I guess it's over. He's out, and I was like, what are you talking about? He just got endorsed by Bill Clinton. And you said, yeah, they would never drop this an endorsement that big. This early in the campaign, unless it's over, and a week later Newsom dropped out. That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, the first story we did when, in the re, redone Capital Weekly 2005, the very first story we did 
we went over to um, San Francisco and interviewed Newsom when he was mayor. Now, this is you and Anthony York, who's now in yeah, Newsom's cabinet. He's in Newsom's cabinet. And also Shane Goldmark was at the New York Times. And there were three of us went. And uh, we interviewed. It was a good interview. It was fun. And we, the story, though, we did when we got back was, will Gavin Newsom run for governor? Hey, right. we were right 17 years ago. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, and the answer, of course, the answer was, of course he is. Just like the answer is, of course he's going to run for pre- if he finds that the at the uh, opportunities are there. He's just testing the water. Well, it, to be honest, he's, doing, you know? he's going to wait, and if the sun rises, he'll run for president. There you go. You know, there I mean, you go. like yeah, like every other so. California governor, I think. I think Duke Majin is the only one that didn't run for governor. He for did president. Uh, for president, but he uh, he got on the short list. He had the Potomac fever for a while there too, because he was on the short list for VP. Oh. And there was actually talk you about know, he him. he would have probably been a pretty good VP. He, yeah, he would have been. He's a good guy and well-organized. and Probably not, better than Dan Quayle. Not, not, yes. Not Mr. Dynamo, though. You know, So not a whole lot of charisma there, I think, as far as a, na- a state politician, much less a national one. But um, Well, this anyway. is a wide-ranging, uh, very special episode of the Capital Weekly yeah. Podcast. Sorry, Gavin Newsom, you had a bad week, although... Frankly, you're probably like on vacation like everyone else and yeah. don't really care. And you probably and, had a better week than we did, so what the hell? It's you know? true. So. But nobody knows about us, so we'll talk about him. So, well, and everyone's going to know because we have our, our annual Top 100 uh, release will be coming up in about, well, from the day this released, it'll be oh. eight days because this will be up out on Monday. It'll be the Tuesday after. So, so uh, you know, send your cards and letters. And by the way, it's all too late. It's already at the printer and done. Yeah, so, uh, so, bug us. Okay. so August 9th, there will be a, we will be releasing that on the Capital Weekly website the evening yeah. of August 9th, morning of August 10th. And we'll be having a special uh, reception as we always do the top 100 party or the Sutter club on August 9th. So if you go to the Capital Weekly website and look up events, you'll find more details about that. If you want to hobnob with the hoi polloi yeah. on August 9th. So, this wasn't a shameless plug, but it was a plug. So. <laughs> okay, Tim, thank you so much. Thanks, Sean. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time around. Take care. The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by Tassin the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.